Welcome to Recode Media with Peter Kafka. That is me. This week, we have an interview with Bob Backish. He is the CEO of Viacom CBS. It's part of a conversation we had as part of our Code Media at Home series. Backish has a full plate. He's still merging Viacom and CBS, which formally merged a year ago after a lot of years of will they, won't they. And so that's an ongoing process. He's, he's selling Simon & Schuster, the publisher, right now as I record this. Uh, but we focus primarily on the streaming plans because that's maybe sort of kind of the future of Viacom CBS, as long as it's a standalone company. So there's a lot here about Paramount Plus. That's the paid service they're going to launch slash relaunch next year, as well as Pluto TV, their free streaming service. Like I said, we recorded this for our live Coded Home series, so it's going to sound a little different than the podcast sound you're used to hearing on this podcast, but it gets the job done. And it's a good conversation. You're going to like it. So here's me and Bob Backish. And I'm very glad our next guest is coming. He's someone I wanted to talk to on a setting like this for quite some time. Um, he's a year into merging CBS and Viacom. He is the CEO of Viacom and CBS. Please welcome Bob Backish. Hey, Peter. How you doing? Great to be here. Thank you for coming and chatting with me virtually. Should we jump right into to, to Michael's question and talk about money? Or do you want to do some scene setting first? It's your show. You decide where you want to go. He's, there's a variant of his question, which you get all the time, which is, you had two companies that were sort of undersized by today's standards. Um, there's been a constant for years. There was a constant discussion about when they were going to merge. They finally got together. You're a year into it. Um, it's still the conventional wisdom is still that you guys don't have enough weight to compete in the market. And in fact, there's a lot of thinking that you, someone else is going to acquire you down the line. So we can talk about spending, first of all, but I'm just curious from a management perspective, you're still merging these two companies, that process is still going on. Um, given that even when you've done merging, the conventional wisdom of that you'll be too small to compete, I'm wondering sort of how you manage through that when sort of any of your employees, any of your partners can sort of look around and say, I don't even know if these guys are going to exist in this form a year from now, two years from now. How do we do business with them or what kind of business do we do with them? So that's a long-winded and maybe a difficult question to start, but let's start there. Look, um, you're right. There was there was a long road leading into the Viacom CBS merger, but uh, we did get the deal done roughly a year ago, a little less than a year ago, and it is a tremendously powerful combination. And you've seen us begin to unlock that. Uh, and with respect to size, I mean we are number one on linear audience share on most key demos in the United States. We have the biggest uh, fast, fa uh, free ad supported streaming television product, uh, what Michael referred to as AVOD in Pluto. Uh, we have a fast growth um, pay uh, set of services as well. We're a leading player outside the United States. We have one of only a handful of true Hollywood studios. We've got a library with 4,000 movies now that we include our, the Miramax relationship we have um, and tens of thousands of hours of television product, uh, and we're producing about 750 series on a run rate basis. So uh, the company has tremendous capabilities. Uh, you've seen us uh, quickly move to uh, integrate these companies. That includes on the distribution side, where we now have one affiliate sales team, and you've seen us um, do a, a number of deals sequentially as the year has played out, and you've seen our affiliate uh, performance improve sequentially through the year. In fact, we just, uh, and our third quarter results talked about a 10% affiliate growth number. You've seen us do it in ad sales where, um, again, we now have one point of entry for advertisers and their agencies in the United States 
for, to transact with Viacom CBS and buy the leading linear share plus um, very robust digital product, including Pluto, the number one fast service. Um, that's, that continues to serve us well in the scatter market and it served us well in a highly unusual upfront. Um, so, uh, and, and we continue to be focused on unlocking the power of the combination, including in streaming. You know, we're playing both the free space with Pluto and the pay space. In, in the free space with Pluto, uh, when we acquired that service as Viacom Legacy seven quarters ago, it had 12 million MAUs. In the third quarter, on a global basis, it had 36 million MAUs, so we tripled it in seven quarters. Um, and it continues to be on an incredible growth trajectory. That was partially because we added first tremendous Viacom content and more recently CBS content to it. On the pay side, we have CBS All Access. Michael referred to Paramount Plus. We're transforming CBS All Access into Paramount Plus by really adding tremendous content resources from across the company, including an original slate. So this notion that we're too small to compete, frankly, I don't buy it. And people are starting to see, okay, maybe we're a show me story, but we're starting to show them. And I would suggest people to continue to watch because the best things of this company are definitely ahead of us. Look, I'd be surprised if you said, yeah, we're too small to compete. I'm, I'm going to resign here live on, on, on the interview. But, but, you know, look, you're, everyone is competing against the Netflix, which was supposed to spend maybe $18, $19 billion on content this year and spent a little less just because there was a pandemic. Um, and, and as Michael referenced, you've got Apple throwing a lot of money around. Um, they simply have more resources than everyone else. And, and how do you figure out, and, and there's an expectation from the audience that there is going to be a constant stream of new stuff. Um, new stuff they want to see, not stuff that just they hadn't heard of before and now is on TV. So so how do you make the case to that consumer, whether you're asking them to give them your time for free or actually time and money through a Paramount Plus or a CBS, which is now going to be, which CBS All Access will become? Yeah, well, so in the streaming space, I'm a big believer in playing both in free and pay. That's the way you serve the largest accessible consumer base. And by the way, there are values to the combination, including in things like subscriber acquisition, churn management, lifetime value, where someone might choose to pause a subscription, you can keep them in free and then remarket. Obviously, in those experiences, you have to have incredible content. Uh, this company is a demonstrated hit maker across demographics, across genres, across formats, uh, and you see that uh, in the data of the current day. Um, and again, it's backed up by a tremendous library. So um, I'm quite confident that we will continue uh, and arguably increasingly uh, offer consumers um, compelling content, uh, including in the streaming space. Again, that's what we're doing with Pluto. That's why that thing's growing like a weed, and both in MAUs, in engagement, i.e. time spent, which is growing faster than MAUs, and in monetization, which is growing faster than that. In fact, Pluto ad revenue doubled uh, in the third quarter, more than double. Paramount Plus is going to launch sometime beginning of next year, right? So basically a year after most of your competition, if not longer, um, what, have, what have you picked up on? What, are you, what pitfalls do you think you're avoiding having watched everyone else jump into streaming over the last year? Obviously, you'd prefer to have been out there at the same time or earlier than the rest of them. You're going to be later. What, what's the upside of going later? Um, well, first of all, I mean, we have been in the space for a while, both in free and pay. So we have some experience I and mean, we do have, as I said, as of the end of third quarter, 36 million MAUs in free, and we have about 18 uh, million pay subscribers. Um, so it's not like we have no experience in the space. We do have real experience in the space. That said, 
As you look at the marketplace, I think a couple of things are clear, particularly on the pay side. Um, one is original content. You have to have a strong line of, of original content, and we will. That's where the combination of our flagship brands and our current production capacity come in. Again, we are proven hit makers. Things like we're doing on Paramount Plus, where we're doing the first SpongeBob spinoff series, Camp Coral, which we're dropping after the premiere of the next SpongeBob movie, which was originally designed for theatrical SpongeBob Sponge on the Run. Uh, that'll be on Paramount Plus. Um, so the first thing is you've got to have a compelling and significant slate of originals, and we will have that from all of our brands. The second thing is you've really got to have a, a compelling brand slash positioning. Um, our positioning for Paramount Plus is live sports, breaking news, and a mountain of entertainment. Um, we think, and our research um, certainly confirms, that that's a differentiated positioning that people understand. I think some of the competitors um, have been less successful in articulating a real positioning. Uh, and then the third thing you need is you need a competitive price. Um, and again, we will be, we haven't announced pricing yet, we will certainly be competitive. And, and in, that, in that area, again, uh, competitors' results have been mixed. Do you think I'm going to have to pay for Paramount Plus or is someone like a Verizon or a T-Mobile or a name, name the giant competitor that, that wants uh, to give me free video like everyone else has for the last year? Do you think I'll have some ability to get this stuff for free or will I have to pay right from the gate? So one of the things Viacom CBS is very good at, uh, we have a legacy in a very positive way, is working with distributors. And that's true in our traditional business and it's certainly true in our over-the-top businesses where we truly have ubiquitous distribution. You can get Pluto um, from all from probably more platforms than any of the competition. Likewise, in the pay service, you see us working with more and more different types of entities to bring that product to market, and that trend line will certainly continue with Paramount Plus. As a byproduct of that, do we think? Do I think there will be some um, partnerships, um, some compellingly priced bundles at launch? Yeah, probably. In fact, today you can get a pretty compelling bundle of. Uh, CBS All Access and Showtime OTT from Apple TV Plus. That is their first bundled offering. Um, so sure, there'll be some like that. Over time, uh, you're going to have to pay for it. Um, I'm quite confident that the service will be compelling. We'll service a range of demographics in the house. You know, everything from families with kids leveraging what we're doing on Nickelodeon to um, young, diverse audiences leveraging some of our other brands like MTV and Comedy Central. Of course, leveraging CBS, which is truly an iconic brand with a tremendous library and original production um, today, uh, BET, et cetera. So we're going to serve, and then there's Paramount Films. So we're going to serve and provide all that product that will be worth paying for. But yeah, I'm sure there's going to be a range of, of um, promotional campaigns going in as we uh, transform CBS All Access into Paramount Plus in early 21. You mentioned the, the the bundle you can get from Apple. You can get CBS All Access and and Showtime, and it's a lot less than if I buy them directly from you, which I'm doing. I'm paying you for both services. Um, it's, it's a little in the weeds, but I but I think it's also useful thinking about how you guys want to think about distribution and, and direct to consumer versus letting an Apple or a Roku or someone else sell your product for you. Why why let Apple sell two of your most important products? at a discount and sort of own that customer relationship instead of selling them directly and bundling them yourself? Yeah, so a couple things. One is that is a limited time promotional price uh, that we're doing with Apple uh, TV Plus, and that's something they wanted to do as they increase their participation in the video space. But again, go back to it. 
we believe in ubiquitous distribution. You can get, just like you can get our call it linear services from a range of operators, be them MVPDs, VMVPDs, DTH players, uh, more telco uh, video players. Likewise, our over-the-top services, you can get from those same set of people, um, whether it's an MVPD like a Comcast, whether it's a, a wireless operator like a Verizon, whether it's a, a over-the-top channel store like an Amazon channel store or an Apple. Uh, by the way, we also work with a lot of the connected TV um, suppliers, so Samsung, Hisense, Vizio, uh, as well as game consoles. We're one of the cornerstone partners for PlayStation 5, which is going to launch, I don't know, in a couple weeks. So if any of these partners come to you and say, we want to do what Apple did, and we want to uh, mix and match these channels, and we want to sell them at a discount, we want to own that relationship with these economics, is that a discussion you anticipate you're going to have, or maybe you're already having it? Well, well again, one of the things Viacom CBS is very good at is working with distribution partners of all shapes and sizes and figuring out how to ways to, to, ways to create mutually beneficial relationships. Um, and are we going to do that in the over-the-top space? Sure. Uh, are we do that crossing linear and over-the-top? Absolutely. Do we sometimes also introduce advanced advertising in that space? 100%. Um, so, yeah, we, we know how to get deals done. We know how to work with people. We believe in ubiquitous distribution. We believe in the power of partnership. And that's certainly part of our strategy in the over-the-top space. We're going to take a quick break from my conversation with Bob Backish. We'll be right back. And we're back with Bob Backish. Well, why is this thing called Paramount Plus? Why isn't it CBS? Why isn't it Showtime? I know what Paramount is. I'm old. Um, I know who Bob Evans is, right? And I, I've, I remember going to movies and seeing that logo, and I'm, I'm sure I've seen it on TV shows as well. Um, I can't imagine it's it's super resonant for, for a lot of younger consumers that you're going after. Well, actually, if you go and do research on the Paramount brand, and, and we did, um, what you find is a couple of things. One is it has un near universal brand awareness, as high as any other brand uh, essentially in the entertainment business. Two, um, that's true on a global basis. Three, it's actually very good on a demographic basis, better than you just suggested. There is very wide brand awareness of Paramount. Um, next, it's associated not with just films, but with television. Why? Because probably the Paramount logo has been seen on a lot of television sets. Um, and it stands for super high quality entertainment. In fact, when we did research, uh, one of the CBS All Access franchises, as you know, is Star Trek, and that's uh, compelling original programming that's now available in three versions on CBS All Access, uh, and we're continuing to build it out. We got a Nickelodeon version coming, et cetera. Um, there was a tremendous association of Star Trek and Paramount. So um, the brand is very powerful. Um, it was, the, our research said it was by far the best choice. Do we have to broaden it a bit over time to also include the sports aspect? Yes. But if you also look at Paramount, this is about a hundred and, I don't know, 15 year old studio that has been continuously reinvented over, over a century, starting with the talkies, going to color, going to television, going to stations, going to um, you know, Dolby Digital, um, et cetera. And so this is a brand that stands for super high quality entertainment that has evolved over time, that has tremendous awareness. And again, our research said it's a very compelling choice for this, and we can't wait to bring the product to the world. What was your second choice? We never talk about second choices. It was, you know, no, all kidding aside, it was clearly the best choice. Yeah. Um, okay. 
Uh, we do have a question from the audience that's related to this. So I'll, I'll cue it up now. Uh, your 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 pitch for Paramount Plus is sports news, entertainment. Why is entertainment last there? What why emphasize sports and news first? Well, part of it is differentiation. So live sports. Look what Paramount Plus brings: the NFL, the SEC, the PGA, UEFA, NCAA, and then a whole range of other sports as well. That is a differentiating characteristic in the over-the-top space. Then breaking news. I don't think people are going to sign up and pay for a service for news, but there's no question, particularly in today's age, that news is important. And, and, and again, look at competitive offerings, not really a significant part of them. And then there's this mountain of entertainment, which is really the critical mass piece of it, uh, which will comprise both originals and library. And again, fall under all these flagship brands, CBS, MTD, Nickelodeon, Comedy Central, BET, Smithsonian, Paramount, et cetera. Um, so we think it works. And again, we've been doing a lot of research on this. And now, you know, before we announced it in September, the research was a little bit more difficult to do because you didn't want people to understand what you were talking about. But now that it's out there, we're doing a whole set of additional resource at research as we move into uh, starting up a promotional campaign. Uh, which will be tied to the launch of the service or relaunch of the service in early 21. And the research continues to um, strongly support the notion that this is a differentiated, compelling product. Um, I do want to talk about, about Pluto. You've talked about it several times. Uh, Michael flagged it as something that's pretty interesting. Um, and I followed that company for a while. And initially, it was kind of a way to watch YouTube in a, in a grid form. It was kind of confusing to me. Um, what what did you think you were buying when you bought it, and and what do you want to turn it into? Because I think it's still a, a, a work in progress. Yeah, so um, rewind the clock to 2018. Uh, this is Viacom Legacy, i.e. we hadn't merged with CBS yet. Um, we all saw the trend lines in consumption and the importance of over the top. Um, the obvious thing that kept, people kept asking is, well, why don't you launch a Netflix clone? Uh, when I looked at it at the time, when we looked at it at the time, we didn't think that was the right answer for a variety of reasons. It's expensive, right? Could you have done it? Could you have could you have paid for a Netflix clone? Uh, Viacom Legacy, we did not believe was in the financial position to do that. But that but at the same time, we wanted to play in the over the top space. So we said, okay, what's an alternative? We found what was called Avod, what's now called Fast, and we said, wow, that's really compelling. We were very wait wait wait. What's the new what's the new acronym? I knew I, I knew Avod. Fast, free ad-supported streaming television. That that sounds much better. It's TV. It's catchy. There you huh? go. So we, there you go. Um, but but at any rate, so we looked at it. We said we know the ad business. We have tremendous amounts of particularly library content, uh, which we could deploy against it. We believe it's an underserved segment because everyone was looking at SVOD. No one was really no one at scale anyway was looking at again AVOD then. Um, and we saw a path to being a real player in it. So, uh, and we saw that early. When we announced that deal, everyone was scratching their heads saying, what's this? Why'd you do this? Why aren't you in SVOD? We said, no, you don't understand. This is a, this is a different market segment and it's gonna be big because people like free. And by the way, when we looked at the landscape, we originally thought about building something and then we decided to pivot and acquire instead. And we looked at the landscape and we bought the best company. I interpreted that by as you telling Wall Street, we're going to do something with streaming. Here's that. We'll figure it out later. Is there truth to that? There are a lot of people who thought that, but that's not how we thought about it. What we thought about was this free is going to be a very large category on a global basis 
that will benefit from access to compelling content and expertise and a, and a real channel to advertisers. Um, and we could be essentially a first mover because everything was a startup at that time. Um, and so we thought it was a very big play. Um, so you sold us short with that statement, but we certainly saw the potential. And I would point out that since we've done that, others have followed, but we continue to have the best product with the most MAUs. I would urge you to check it out if you haven't. It's phenomenal. It has well, well over 100,000 hours of compelling content on it in the U.S. today, and we continue to add content um, to it. In fact, we just added Narcos to it, so that's the first time you can get Narcos without a pay subscription. Um, it's a tremendous product. We saw the lane, and the last thing I'd say is it's growing even faster than we thought. When, when we said in 2019 we thought it had the potential to be a billion-dollar ad business in a in not-too-distant future, a couple years, people thought we were crazy. This thing has grown faster than we thought, um, and so now we have even larger aspirations. It's a rocket ship. It's a great product. Um, and we were early to it. I want to get to some audience questions, but one more for, for me for now. Um, so starting sometime next year, you're going to have this uh, SVOD service, uh, Paramount. You're going to have a fast service, Pluto. You're going to have a traditional linear TV business. You're going to have traditional premium TV business. You still have a movie studio that still intends to put um, product into theaters. How are you going to decide what goes where when all those things want the best thing? the thing that's gonna bring the most eyeballs and money to them, and who in your organization is gonna make that decision about what product goes where? So um, we are a, a content company at the core. Um, we believe in studying audiences and making compelling content for them. Uh, we believe in doing that for the largest amount of consumers possible, and in today's world, that means you need to service them both through traditional distribution, be it linear or be it theatrical, et cetera, as well as uh, new distribution, I won't call it emerging distribution, over the top, connected TVs, et cetera. So yes, we participate in both. Um, we have leading positions in both, although obviously our pay streaming business is still uh, one where we, we need to scale it. We will do that with Paramount Plus. Um, and as we operate those businesses, uh, yeah, we obviously have management teams focused on them, but on a high level, what we're doing is um, optimizing content investment against growth potential. Uh, and so, you know, we set that in budget processes, et cetera. We lean uh, increasingly on core franchises, where, by the way, we believe it's beneficial to both have linear positions as well as over-the-top positions, so you can take franchise, create new versions of them uh, for the streaming world, which is very much what you'll see Paramount Plus do uh, when it comes to market in 2021. We've talked about some limited examples of that to date, things like Camp Coral as a derivative of SpongeBob. Um, but rest assured, there's a lot more to come, and we think that is a very compelling strategy. One that one competitor, by the way, in streaming has done well, others not so much. Uh, and we're certainly going to lean into that uh, with Paramount Plus. You wanted to say Disney out loud, but didn't want to say Disney? You can come to your own conclusion. I mean, it is, a, it is a core problem for all of you guys, right? Because uh, you've got a, a giant audience uh, on an old, probably declining business that expects to have all the premium stuff. Uh, and then you want to give an, an audience uh, a reason to come to your new digital stuff. I think this is going to be a problem for all of you. But I, I do want to ask some audience questions here. Let me just pull up here. Thank you guys for all these questions. They're great. So we'll probably go a few minutes over if you can hang around, Bob. Um, how are the sports leagues you work with feeling about your move into streaming? 
Can you talk about the way a franchise, for instance, the NFL feels about um, your focus on streaming? Well, um, leagues see the same things that anyone looking at, at media sees. I would point, before we talk about the NFL, I would talk about UEFA. Um, we saw in UEFA a compelling opportunity to get exclusive product for, at the time, CBS All Access, including uh, a younger, um, very um, excited audience. Uh, we were fortunate in that the existing rights holders decided to exit that deal early. So we were actually able to start our UEFA deal early uh, this year. Um, that deal has already uh, outperformed, um, and it highlights the importance, I believe, of high-quality sport product uh, for an over-the-top service. Um, likewise, uh, we love the NFL uh, being part of uh, CBS All Access, soon to be Paramount Plus, uh, obviously of the NCAA. Um, so we think it's an important part of the component. Um, what the leads know when they deal with Viacom CBS is a couple things. One, they know we know sports. We've been in the sports business a long time, have had productive partnerships with these leads for decades. Two, we know super high quality production. We're considered, uh, if not the best, among the best in the business. You can go ask the leagues yourself. Um, and they care about that because that's how consumers see their product. At the end of the day, they also compare, care about getting the most consumers possible to their product. And that's why this combination of leading linear reach um, and fast growth uh, over the top is so compelling. It's compelling for rights owners, i.e. leagues. It's compelling for advertisers. And it's compelling for distributors because we can we increasingly work with them on a multi-platform basis. So I think let's see. We've been talking about the the NFL uh, package for for years. It's finally coming up now. Will you guys be hanging on to to your AFC rights? Will you, and or are you going to have some kind of NFL programming when these when these deals are done? So here's what I'd say. We've had a long productive partnership with the NFL. Um, it's been mutually beneficial. We have tremendous respect uh, for each other. Uh, we're in business today, and I'm quite confident we'll be in business together tomorrow. Was it a mistake? This is a question from the audience. Was it a mistake to Was it a mistake to sell HBO Max exclusive streaming rights for South Park? That seems like something that would have been good on Paramount Plus. Yeah, but you have to rewind the tape. Um, one of the things I would point out there was that decision was made at Viacom Legacy when Viacom Legacy, as we discussed, didn't have a path to a scale FBOD service. We had a path. Uh, that we were pursuing in FAST with Pluto, but we didn't have a path to take those rights and maximize them in SVOD. Um, and so we thought it made sense to go to a third-party solution. By the way, that benefited our partners, Matt and Trey, on that as well. Um, so that was a deal that made all the sense in the world at the time. Fair enough. Um, why have Pluto exist separate from Paramount Plus? Why not tear it in and then you've got a free version and a paid version like you're seeing Peacock and Hulu try? So we did a tremendous amount of thinking and research on that. And then this goes to this, the, when I said there are three things that are important in streaming that we take away from looking at the category, and the second one was brand positioning, there's a big difference between shouting in the street tops that there's a free service versus, hey, this is something you got to pay for. Um, and we don't think commingling a brand across those two is a good idea. In fact, all our research says you want to be able to define Pluto as the leading free, uh, you know, entertainment service, which is what it is. And, and that has growing brand awareness and attribution to that space. And simultaneously, 
we got to build a business at scale that people like you are going to be willing to pay for. And we got to call it something. So we believe, we believe based on a lot of thinking and a lot of research that having two distinct brands that will work together in an increasingly integrated ecosystem is the way to go. Uh, one last question here. Kids stuff, kids space, kids programming. Nickelodeon was sort of the gold standard, one of the two gold standards in kids programming for a long time. Um, my, my personal uh, uh, survey here at my house means that, that brand is not meaningful to my kids. They watch a lot of Nickelodeon shows. They don't know they're from Nickelodeon. Um, Paramount seems like an adult brand. This is a question from our audience. Um, how do you sort of reestablish your presence with, with kids who are huge consumers of your products? So first of all, Nickelodeon has a tremendous library. And sitting here today on a high quality volume basis, it's probably the number one producer of kids programming in the world. Um, yes, we exhibit product uh, in a range of ways. We exhibit it under the Nickelodeon brand as a set of linear networks. We license product to third parties, et cetera. Um, and we currently supply Nickelodeon products to CBS All Access, and it will be a meaningful component of Paramount Plus. Um, so the fact of the matter is we believe it is important. If you're going to have a, a service that has tens of millions of subscribers, you've got to appeal to a broad set of consumers. Part of appealing to a broad set of consumers is appealing to families with kids and combining that with other offerings for those families or perhaps for those adults with kids. And so Nickelodeon sitting within Paramount Plus uh, alongside in a, in a safe way, kid compliant controlled way, but alongside a set of other entertainment product, Paramount Films, maybe some reality shows, some compelling dramas from CBS, et cetera, plus high quality sports in the form of NFL, et cetera. We believe that's the way to build a very significant audience, help manage churn, uh, and ensure long lifetime value. So that's why we think uh, Nickelodeon fits very well with this strategy. We love that we own it. The library is irreplaceable. Um, we've just, uh, you know, Santiago of the Seas is a new hit that we just launched. Um, we got a whole set of uh, new uh, content coming. Um, so your kids uh, will see a lot more Nick to come, including as subscribers of Paramount Plus in 2021. Okay, I saw one of your potential viewers walking by my door here. I'm gonna ask him about Santiago. Um, Bob, thank you for doing this. I really appreciate it. Thanks to the audience for listening. You guys had great questions. Thank you to Densu for sponsoring this. We're gonna let you have the rest of your afternoon back. Thanks again. Thanks, Peter. Appreciate it. Stay well, everyone. Bye-bye. Thanks again to Bob Backish for, for taking time to video conference with me. Thanks again to Joel and Jelani who edit and produce this show. Special thanks to Michelle Berg and the Vox Media Events team who are kick-ass and a pleasure to work with. This is Recode Media. We'll see you next week.